Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,228. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Now, I would normally be in Belgium today, but I'm in uh, Pennsylvania with a very special returning guest, and we'll explain why in just a minute, uh, Sergey von Bachrake. Sergey, welcome back to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Absolutely, Mark. Let's go. Yeah. Now, I typically ask people to share one thing that most people don't know about them, but I want to touch real briefly on why we're not in Belgium today, your native country. You're in uh, Pennsylvania. You just had a, a meeting with a very special guy yesterday, right? I did. I arrived yesterday uh, in uh, in Newark and then drove down to Pennsylvania to Nazareth, where the one and only Mario Andretti lives. And he was uh, very, very kind to sign the limited editions we are doing of the, the new 962 book. Um, so I had a, an hour, an hour and a half with him wow. talking about this and that. And uh, he signed the, the, the tippins, as they're called, the pages with the autographs that go into the limited editions uh, before they are bound. Um, great, great guy. I mean, one of my childhood heroes from, from back to his, going back to his F1 days in the 70s. Uh, and great to meet him in person. Yeah. There's not that many living legends around, but he's definitely one of them. Well, what a treat. And we're going to be explaining this new 962 book. That's why Sergey's here today. But you also are heading down to meet with a couple other uh, famous people. One is a past guest, Hurley Haywood, right? Indeed. I'm flying out to uh, Jacksonville this evening, and then I'll meet Hurley tomorrow morning at uh, the Rumors Collection. Uh, also for him to sign the, the pages that go into the limited editions. And then that same day, I drive down to Palm Beach and meet with uh, Danny Sullivan the following morning. And then I fly home again uh, back to base and uh, back to celebrate some there. Christmas. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. absolutely. Well, you're on the Heroes Tour, which is pretty darn cool. And uh, I was uh, chatting a little bit before we started with Serge that I was uh, reminiscing. I was going back and watching a 1990 video of the Del Mar Grand Prix, which I attended. I was living in Del Mar at the time. And I, my listeners have heard this. My wife has never really been into cars, but I talked her into going to that race. And she fell in love with racing, being there. It was so much better than TV. She goes, TV's boring. You just see this thing go by. And, but being there and seeing all the people. So uh, this is a place we're going to talk about. And we're going to talk about your book. So let me give you a proper introduction. And we're going to dive into your world. But it was fun to reminisce. And I have a feeling that 19, were you at that 1990 race in Del Mar? Uh, no, I wasn't. I haven't done that many IMSA races. I did Sebring a couple of times and uh, the Miami Grand Prix in the early 90s, uh, which was basically at the end of the IMSA, the first IMSA GTP days, because obviously they're coming back next year. Uh, and also more or less at the end of the natural life of the Porsche's 962 and, and their competitors at Nissan and, and Toyota. Cool. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. Serge Van Bachrake started his career in the late 1980s as a journalist and photographer, reporting on endurance racing for European newspapers and magazines. And then in the mid-1990s, he left journalism for public relations and marketing, working in Formula One, the World Rally Championship, and at the Le Mans with brands including Marlboro, Lucky Strike, uh, Toyota, 
Uh, he's been a European PR coordinator for GM's Cadillac, LPM, Corvette GT, and the Chevrolet WTCC programs. He is a regular contributor to British Monthly Magazine, Race Car Engineering, and German Monthly Sport Auto. And he is the co-author of the official Porsche Rennsport Reunion programs. We've got one of those coming up in 2023, I believe. I can't wait for that. And today he's here to share a new book titled Works Porsche 962, The Definitive History. It's a huge three-volume set with over four. 1,400 pages, 1,800 images, uh, some special editions that we'll learn about. So I'm very excited to have him here today. But first, a word from our sponsor. So we'll take a quick pit stop. We'll fill up the tanks and we'll be right back. So buckle up. Do you live where the climate is a great challenge? I do. Up here in the Pacific Northwest, it rains a lot during the winter and even into the spring. And that's why I love Covercraft's newest five-layer all-climate cover. It was specially developed and engineered for anything that Mother Nature can throw your way. It's soft, it's breathable, and easy to store, and it pampers your paint plus your interior surfaces from maximum UV, rain, dust, and snow protection. Add their gust guards if you live in a windy area for extra protection to keep your cover secure. Your five-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's specific attention to detail, form, and fit. The quality and attention has been their standard since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and your watercraft too. Every one of my vehicles is protected by a Covercraft cover, whether stored indoor or out. And I've got a deal for you. If you use the code YA21 at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I was tired of my rates for my collector car insurance going up every year for no explainable reason. My carrier seemed to be turning into a media company versus an insurance company. And I realized that a portion of my policy premium was paying for all those so-called free media goodies. So I did my homework. I talked to knowledgeable collectors, shopped around, and discovered American Collectors Insurance. They've been serving the collector car hobby since 1976. You last that long by properly serving your customers' insurance need, not with a lot of fluff. ACI is ranked the number one online collector car insurance provider, according to Google, Trustpilot, Facebook, and they offer their real person guarantee live support. No never-ending phone loops when you need help. Plus, because you don't use your classic car as a daily driver, you could save up to 40% compared to regular auto insurance. American Collectors Insurance provides agreed value policies. So if you experience a total loss to your collector vehicle or it's stolen, you'll be paid the amount listed on your declaration page, less any deductibles, of course. No ifs, ands, or buts. Give them a call today and ask for your free quote at 866-A-C-I-Y-E-A-H. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Greens, at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. You've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine here on Cars, yeah, for a couple of years now. Well, they're growing. And in 2023, they're going to grow from four issues a year to six. And there's an opportunity here for you to take advantage of this growth. If you go to LinkageMag.com and click on the Renew button, if you already subscribe, you can get a great deal. Use the code RENEW6 for one year and you'll get six issues for the price of four or 
Type in Renew 12 for two years where you also have a great savings. Plus, they'll even throw in a free Linkage hat. How cool is that? The publisher of Linkage is Donald Osborne. He's been a guest multiple times here on Cars Yeah. He's become a good friend of mine. And I'll tell you, Linkage Magazine is one of those newer magazines that you're going to want to get. It's all about experiences, opinions, and values. It's a wonderful publication, something I look forward to getting. And now that I'm going to be getting six a year, even more special. So go to linkagemag.com. Again, use the code RENEW6 or RENEW12 to get that special deal. Do it before December 31st, 2022, so that in 2023, you'll get six issues of Linkage Magazine instead of four. We are back. So in the 80s, you were a journalist in Group C, and I want to dive a little deeper uh, into the corner during that time, and then we'll walk through this new book of yours because, oh my gosh, talk about the definitive history. And of course, it's published by our friends at Porter Press who do some amazing books. They did your last book when you were here to share on the 956. So if you listeners didn't get to hear that, you can go back and find Sergey's show on the Karjia Show Notes page on the website. But let's kind of go back in time a little bit in your history there and then we'll walk we'll walk through this book well i started out in in, in journalism during the the so-called group c era which ran in the world championship from 82 till about 91 92 and it was one of the i think probably the the best and most spectacular era in sports car racing uh, not only in the world championship mainly based in europe but also over here in the, in the mc gtp days and the reason for that was that all the manufacturers, all the important manufacturers were there, not only Porsche, but you also had Ford and Jaguar, Nissan, Toyota, Mazda, Mercedes. Uh, they all came at some point and had fabulous factory teams running their programs. But the one thing that Porsche did, and which none of the others really did, is they also made a whole batch of privateer cars. So on every grid, which averaged like 30, 35 cars on a regular race and, and up to 60 in Le Mans, half of them were Porsches, 962 or 956s in the early years. And they all had great drivers. They all had fabulous looking liveries with great household name sponsors. You had the Blaupunkt cars, the Rothmans cars, you had the Shell Dunlop cars, you had the Jägermeister, you know, the bright orange cars. Uh, and, and they just looked, I mean, it looked to me a lot more elegant back then than they do now. Aerodynamically, they were not as in Evolved, as evolved as they are today, mainly because the technical regulations didn't allow the cars to be. So they looked beautiful, basically. I think that's the word. Yeah. And Porsche, of course, was the most successful car at the time because there were so many. That was the car that, that sparked my interest in, in, in doing something with that uh, a couple of years down the road, or a couple of decades probably. Well, yeah, it's been a little while. Time flies by. Well, the 962, that thing obliterated its competition mostly. I mean, you think about that time period on both sides of the Atlantic. And you mentioned people being, all these different Porsches being able to driven by driven by different people. And we mentioned some at the beginning, but I want to kind of have you run through some of these folks because Ix, Bell, Moss, Stuck, Al Holbert, Hurley Haywood, many others i mean the superstars when we think back of racing all drove these things and specifically the porsches exactly i mean every, everybody who was somebody in motorsports in those days at some point drove a 956 or a 962 and quite a few of them made their and actually made their careers with that car Derek Bell happily admits that without the 962 962 he would not uh, have gone where where he went uh, with his career because you know he, he'd done some races for Porsche uh, there was really nothing new uh, for him uh, in the pipeline he did Le Mans in 1980 with a small front engine uh, 924 I think it was then a call came from Porsche would you like to do Le Mans again in the 936 prototype with Jackie Yeggs they did they won but that was the only race on, 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 on the schedule then and then Group C happened 
and and XML won every race. They won the championship. They won Le Mans a number of times. And then even in the in the later days when X retired, uh, Bell was teamed up with Al Holbert and Hans Stuck. They won Le Mans again a couple of times. They won plenty of races over here in the, in the US in Al Holbert's uh, Lohenbrau car. So he he made his name basically with the 962. And quite a few other drivers, like many many F1 drivers, wanted to try that car because it was so great and it had ground effects, which was new uh, at the time. On, on from you know the, the aerodynamic evolution was with ground effects at the time. Started in Formula One with Lotus, then carried over into sports cars. And you have a number of, of uh, F1 world champions who who drove that car at least one or the other race just because they wanted to drive it. Let's talk a little bit about Porsche again, going back to the Weissach-based team. It was run by Peter Falk and uh, Norbert Singer. And I like to ask my guests about what I call our driving inspirations, people that inspired you. When you think about this specific car and the reasons why you put this book together, and it's so in-depth. And I talked to Philip Porter about it, and he said, I don't think there's any other book that goes this deep into this whole series and and this car specifically. What was the inspiration behind you putting a, a piece like this together? And my goodness, how long did this take? Well, uh, I start, uh, basically, I think it's, it, it started as a hobby or an interesting project and then s- slowly evolved into an uncurable illness, I guess. <laughs> now, the reason is why I started is because in the mid-80s, the 956 had come to an end because because of the, the situation with the, the pedal sitting in front of the front wheel axle center line. Um, so it was then replaced by the 962. At the end of 87 or after Le Mans 87, the works team pulled out of the world championship to concentrate on, on the then new IndyCar program and later on to F1. Um, and it was basically left to the privateers to, to fight uh, Porsche's corner. And then quite a few books were published at the time. And they all stopped more or less at after Le Mans 87 or at the end of the 87 season. But the cars, of course, kept on racing for another three, four, five years. And even until Le Mans 1994, when they won uh, Le Mans again, dressed up as a GT car, the Dower 962 Le Mans Porsche. But there were never any follow-up books to the previous ones that were published. And I thought, well, maybe I should do my own book. And I thought, stupidly, that it would take me like two or three years maybe to finish it, you know, do it as a sort of a a home project or weekend project uh, during my off time. And um, obviously, these cars kept running. And then at some point, they they chopped the roof off and it became a spider and won the Daytona 24 hours again in 95. Um, And and they still were still around mostly as grid fillers at the end of 99. So that's like a 17-year career, which nowadays is absolutely impossible with any race car in any discipline, whether it's F1 or NASCAR or rally or touring cars. There's no way that a car can be designed and built and be successful uh, for 17 years. And then obviously, at some point, I said, well, I'm not on a, on the time schedule here. I don't have a publisher. Uh, let's try to to find as many details and information that I can find about these cars. Because there was over time, they had built 220 of them. Uh, the works cars as well as the the privateer cars and uh, so i started gathering data and looking for data and looking for information and then at some point you find a list with engine numbers that go with specific chassis numbers and which in turn go with uh, specific gearbox numbers so then i started to look a bit further and at at some point then i said well I just want to know everything there is to know and find everything that i can possibly can find and that's why you have now 1,400 pages of just on the 19 works, 962s, rather than the 800 I was supposed to do, um, because I want to know everything, even the the type of lubricants they used uh, for for the wheel bearings or the gear ratios they had at this or that specific race or test or compression ratios in the engine. It's it's all in there. I mean, it's probably only for the for the very happy few nerdy people like ourselves who are who you know really like to read that kind of stuff. But I just want to have it all. Well. 
have it all indeed. And you've enabled all of us to have it all in, in three versions of this book. And I kind of want to have you walk through because we spoke at the beginning about how you're over in the States right now, getting some of the people to sign it. Some of these versions will have signatures in them. The drivers, there's a very special owner's set. So the lucky few people that have these vehicles. Uh, one of my uh, good friends, and sadly we lost him a few years ago, Bruce Levin, who ran Bayside Racing, had yep. two 962s. I believe he had exactly. had the first one and the last one. And I don't know who owns his cars now. They've sold off his collection of cars. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the different options for listeners out there going, I got to get my hands on this. Well, basically there's three editions. You have the, the, the standard edition, if you like, which is called limited edition because it's limited to 962 copies. That's three volumes, 1,400 pages, 1,800 and a few pictures and images in a slipcase. Then the next one up is the collector's edition, which is limited to 25 copies, uh, which comes with a leather cover and has as many drivers as that we could agree to sign the book, uh, signed on the first page. Uh, I can give you a few names, obviously Mario Andretti, uh, who signed yesterday, Hurley Haywood, who will do so tomorrow, and Danny Sullivan the day after. But we also have Derek Bell, Jochen Maas, Jürgen Barth, Yannick Dalmas, Henry Pescarolo, Max Welty was a team director of Porsche at the time. Roland Kusmol was the uh, testing engineer. And I probably have forgotten uh, a few. Klaus Ludwig is there, three-time Le Mans winner. Um, and Hans Stuck and a few others are still waiting in the wings uh, to sign uh, as well. So those are 25 copies of the collector's edition. And then one up from that is the owner's edition, which is limited to 19 copies because there were 19 uh, works 962s, uh, 16 regular 962s. And then the three Dower cars that raced in Le Mans in uh, 1994. Those are also, again, signed by all these drivers and, and, and key Porsche people. Comes with an Alcantara uh, cover and in a slipcase, which has a uh, Conrad of a 962 engine worked into the slipcase and little metal plates saying uh, in which engine this uh, Conrad sat and when it was used and raced. And these books are offered to the current owners first and uh, the, the ones that don't get sold because some people have multiple cars and might only buy one book, will then be offered uh, to the, the public. Wow, amazing. Let's talk a little bit about what you learned about Peter and Norbert uh, at Porsche and their efforts to put these things together. Because you think about it, you spoke about how many years this car ran. I mean, it's all unheard of today, obviously. It would never happen again. So this is a time in, in history. But Peter Falk and Norbert Singer are two big names in the Porsche world. Were there any unique things you learned about those guys in this program in specific? What you learn in general, if you do something, some research on Porsche, is the way they go about the racing. Selling cars to customers is definitely in their DNA. Like you see with uh, the 963s that uh, will run in IMSA GTP next year and in WEC as well, they have the factory team run by Roger Penske and they also have the privateer teams that can run a car as well. It's always been in their business model and uh, to sell cars to privateers. So therefore, the cars were technically superior, but not exclusive. I mean, they were superiorly good. They were also easy to understand and they were easy to drive for gentlemen drivers and they were easy to work on for mechanics who did not have access to all the tools and, 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 and the knowledge that is uh, within Porsche as a company. So, And I think Porsche were the only ones at the time that really excelled at that. They could build a car that was superior to all the others, but yet was easy to, 
easy to run, easy to drive. Uh, and that's something that is unique. And that's probably also unique to, to Norbert Zinger's way of, of designing and, and, and leading projects uh, like the 962 and designing cars like that. It was technically superior, yet at the same time, it was easy. And it didn't need an, an annual evolution uh, to still be successful. I mean, the cars were obviously had the, the, the wheelbase thing that turned the 956 into a 962. But apart from that, it was basically this, the same car for at least a dozen years. Uh, the engine was a bit bigger at the end it was water cooled at the end where it was mixed cooled at the beginning that those are natural evolutions but it never needed like a drastic overhaul to still be successful the following season and that is absolutely the strength uh, of porsche and their race cars whether it's 962s or, or tomorrow's uh, 963 i got to spend a little time around a couple of these cars uh, i had friends who owned them and you mentioned simplicity, and, and I remember when you opened those things up, from the outside, they're so eloquent. You said beautiful. They really were so sleek. And then when you open them up, yeah, you look inside, and they're quite simple. They almost are like a road car in a way, Yeah. Uh, the way they're put together. And I remember Bruce Levin saying, uh, oh, these things are just like a street car. They're no big deal to work on. Well, Walter Gerber was one of his mechanics that worked yeah. on his cars at the time, uh, who's actually worked on some of my past 911s, uh, solved a, a mystery problem I had on a 72S that I could not figure out what was wrong. And Walter jumped in it, and in three minutes of a drive, he said, ah, throttle bodies. You need new throttle bodies. I'm like, oh, okay. But but the cars are pretty simple. So that's kind of a unique thing when you think of race cars and especially today, the complexity of race cars. So that's the, the joy of Porsche, right? They kind of keep it simple and tight. Exactly. And and that also has to do, I think, with the way the technical regulations were written at the time. Now you can probably have 10 pages on on, on, on the exact position of, of, of the key to fire up the car. Uh, whereas in those days, everything was a lot simpler. I think if you, if you make a, a good solid set of technical regulations you get cars that are quick and solid and look beautiful and elegant and and can be driven by and worked on by privateer teams as, as well as by, by the by the works teams and and again porsche understood that better than than anybody for sure you know putting a book together that is of this magnitude and you touched on this earlier has got to have some massive challenges to it because it's so complex if you think back to the production of this book what was perhaps the biggest challenge you had putting this whole thing together well, the biggest challenge was that, like the first 956 book, which was 800 pages, the second book was also going to be 800 pages. So the biggest challenge at some point was to convince the publisher, uh, you know, to, to put my hand up and say, well, excuse me, Philip, I've, I've written 1,400 pages all of a sudden. Uh, would yeah, you mind does, publishing? How does he respond when you say something like that? Is there a silence on the end of the phone? <laughs> yeah, there was a bit of silence and a deep swallow. But at, at, at the end, we all agreed that that was the way forward. It's also a mathematical thing of the 956, there were only 11 cars and they only raced for like uh, three or four seasons uh, with the works team. Whereas the 962, there was 19 and they raced for much longer. So you had, obviously have more cars, more races, more results, more drivers driving them. And then at some point, we also had the great opportunity to have six cars shot in, in, in a proper photo studio. Uh, there's, there's an English collector, uh, Henry Pearman, who has uh, seven in total, one, one 956 and then six works 962s in wow. his collection. Oh. And he allowed us to have his cars uh, uh, photographed in, in, in the studio. So that added a few more pages uh, to the book as well. And it's basically in the way I started out 30 years ago when I started working on this book. I, wa I want to have everything as, you know, 
as long as it's possible. And the same with this book. I wanted to have everything that could possibly be done to make this book stand out for all the others that have been published and will still be published because obviously this year marks the 40th anniversary of Group C, uh, which started in 1982. Next year is the 75th anniversary of Porsche as a car manufacturer, uh, the 100th anniversary of Le Mans as a race, uh, Le Mans 24 hours. So I'm sure there will be another couple of books on 962s and, and Porsches or Group C in general uh, in the pipeline somewhere. So we really wanted to to, to be the best and have it as complete as possible and have it, have it as documented as possible. Um, in the book, you also have the, the complete uh, restoration progress of uh, a process of four of these cars. Uh, from the moment they walk in, uh, they are, are being pushed into the shop and completely taken apart and everything is, is photographed, and every li- all the parts before and after. Uh, that's something that's that's unique and also takes a lot of uh, a lot of commitment from the people working on, on, on these cars, restoring these cars to you know religiously photograph every part and everything they do because at some point there's some some belgian who has this uh, bright idea of doing the ultimate book um, but it's all in there and that's of course what makes a difference so the biggest challenge yes was to to convince the people putting the money in that we uh, we went we had to go from 800 to 1400 pages almost double the size but i think at the end it's 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 been worth it well, of course. And I mentioned at the beginning over 1,800 images, photographs. How on earth do you find that many photos? My guess is you probably found a lot more and the trouble was which ones to leave out. Well, we we did find a lot. I mean, I, I sourced pictures from 62 different photographers and, and, and agencies. And, and some people were you know, just race fans who were at a race but just happened to shoot a certain picture that I really wanted to have in the book because it showed a, a conversation between people or, or something else or a detail of a car that I couldn't find with, with the bigger agencies or, or even in the Porsche archives. Um, like, for instance, the, the unfortunate accident in, 19, in Spa 1985 between Stefan Beloff uh, and Jack Yeeks where Beloff lost his life. Yeah. I found pictures uh, taken by a British racing fan from the grandstand that shows the whole sequence of the accident. But the guy lives now in Amsterdam, I believe, and and through a friend of a friend of an acquaintance of another friend, I was made aware that those those pictures existed. So it took me like a couple of months of emailing people and then trying to locate is this this guy, and he sent me the pictures and and they're in. And and the same with many other uh, other photos uh, that are not available or can be found with the big uh, photographic agencies or in the Porsche archives. You become a bit of a forensic scientist. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I've described it uh, in, in an earlier interview as automotive archaeology, and, and, and basically that's what it is. And, and the more you talk to people and the more they feel at ease with what you're doing and they, try, and they understand what you're trying to do, they also send you documents and, and like invoices from cars being sold from one team to the other, uh, stuff like that. And that makes for, for interesting things to look at and to read. Uh, I also was fortunate enough to to, to um, have a, f- a few uh, period journalists uh, within my my circle of friends, and they let me have all their period documents and notes they made at the races because they've kept them for forty years. So a few of those are used as well as illustration to prove certain facts that were not known at the time and, and probably are not known until they read them in the book uh, about the way some people change chassis numbers to make the, the hardware fit the, the paperwork, things like that. So that's why we end up with, with a lot of pictures. And obviously, we have the photo shoots of, of six of these cars uh, as well. Brilliant pictures, by the way, by great uh, people of uh, Gunhill Studios in the UK. Uh, did some amazing work there. Fantastic. So what's next? Well, 
the, the, the book initially started out as a total book on all 962s and all 956s, so not only the works cars, but also the uh, uh, the privateer cars. And as I said earlier, there's some 220 built. Um, so far, I've covered 11 works, 956s, and uh, 19 uh, 962s. That's make, that makes 30, for which I needed 2,200 pages total. So you can, you can do the <laughs> math on how many pages I would need to cover the 170 privateer cars that are still missing. Uh, but I'm happily slaving away on that as well and uh, I think three four five years from now that will be a, a third book or a third set of books on, on the privateer cars uh, but it still needs some work because I'm doing another book in between on the TWR Porsche that won Le Mans 96 and 97 um, also for Porsche Press so that's like an in-between thingy um, which is good because uh, I, can't, <laughs> I can't possibly do 1,400 pages on that car because I only, only raced five times uh, three times at Le Mans one twice um, but that's another fun project in between. And then when that is done, I'll uh, put my head on 962s again. Wow, you're a busy guy. So I'm going to ask some what could be maybe some impossible questions for you, but I'm going to give it a shot. I typically ask my guests to share a very special vehicle in their life. I'm going to have you pick one 962 or C car that really stands out for you. If, if I could park it in your garage, is there one stands out well there's probably quite well obviously it would be a works car because those are, are the ones that probably won most of the very important races uh-huh. um but one that stands out because it looks f- a, a very very different from all the others is uh, the jim busby car that yeah. won the daytona 24 in 1989 with had which had the the, the very special bodywork uh, designed by uh, roman slobodinsky and which Bob Wallach, Derek Bell, uh, and John Andretti raced the victory in '89. The one, you know, the white and gold Miller High Life car. Yeah, uh, I think that's it's. You can't you can't really call it beautiful because it isn't, but it's special. So, and special is beautiful by definition. I think, <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah, you're the wordsmith. You're the word master. I think, I think you can say that. Well, again, listeners, this is a spectacular book titled uh, "Ultimate Works Porsche 962: The Definitive History." It's by Porter Press. I'll put links to their website where you can go and get yourself a copy. Uh, if you love cars and you have a, an extensive automotive library, this is one to add for sure. Now, here's another one of my questions. I'm going to twist up for you. I'm going to enable you to go on what I call the ultimate drive. I'm going to put your seat into any of these cars. You can drive it on any track in the world. And if you'd like, uh, you could be joined by uh, maybe somebody from the past, even somebody who's no longer with us that you'd like to spend a little time with while you're enjoying this. So which car, which track, and who are you going to be with? I would go for a a 962, obviously, at Le Mans. <laughs> Lamar before they put in the chicanes on on the Mulsanne Strait, and my co-drivers then would be probably Mario Andretti and Derek Bell. Ah, nice, nice. Because they're they're, they're absolute legends. Uh, Derek Bell in sports cars, Mario Andretti has won everything in, in anything he's ever driven. <laughs> yeah, but they're also very nice, very nice people. And I think in, in in endurance racing especially, it's not only how good you are as a racing driver inside the car, but also how good you are and how nice you are as a person outside the car. Um, uh, I would take those two along. I'm sure Mary would agree. <laughs> I think so. He'll, yeah. st- he'll still drive everything, anything fast. Yeah, he days. still likes to jump in cars for sure. So absolutely. Well, that would be quite a dream for sure. Before I let you go today, could you leave us maybe with some words of inspiration or thought that relate to this project of yours? It could be something about uh, perseverance because definitely putting something like this together is about perseverance. Something to leave us with today. 
Yeah, I think so. If, if anybody is out there working on something special, whether it's a book or something else, just if you have it in your mind, you think you can pull it off, just go for it. And and don't let other people think that or say like, oh, no, it's been taking so long. You'll never get this or that finished. Just go for it. Stick to your plan. I mean, I have guys, <laughs> guys walking up to me, uh, friends, journalists, photographers, who at one point said, what about the book? Uh, because it's like, it's like the monster of Loch Ness. We hear a lot about it. Nobody's ever seen it. <laughs> uh, are you sure you'll be f- able to finish it in this lifetime? Or will we have to read it through a, a Ouija board seance, maybe? And said, no, 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 I'm, I'm on it, I'm on it. You know, I'm in it for the long haul. And that's basically, for, for whatever you want to do, That if, if it's really special to you, just go for it. Take your time. Uh, don't cut corners. Don't skip on details. So just go for it. Keep your eye on the ball. And in the end... It will be done, and it will be done exactly the way you wanted to, to have it done. Great metaphor for endurance racing, which so many of these cars ran, is, uh, yeah, just go for it. Uh, be persistent. Uh, be uh, uh, bulldoggedness, I guess, is what you exactly. have. <laughs> is yeah. that the best way to describe you? Is there a way people can follow along with you? Do you have a website, or is there a place people can learn more about you? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm virtually non-existent on the internet. Uh, but if people have any questions or want to know something, they can always uh, write to Portopress uh, through their Portopress website. Um, and, and then they'll, the people there will forward it to me. Well, I want to do a thank you shout out to, uh, of course, uh, Philip Porter at Porter Press and all my friends there. They bring some great guests to the show. And also uh, Richard Prince, who reconnected us here. He was just a guest uh, just last week on the show. Uh, so thank you, Richard. He seems to know everybody just like you do. Well, we've been working together now for 23 years, I think, Richard and I. Wow. Because uh, because we both work for Corvette Racing, he does the photography, and I do some words uh, on the PR side, on the European side of the of the PR for Corvette Racing. So Richard and I go back to '99, I think. So we're old men. <laughs> well, we all are, and thankfully we are, because the uh, alternative to being old men is not being around. So it's good to be an old guy versus exactly. being around. So that's what I always uh, tell my friends who complain about getting old: don't complain. Uh, it's something reserved for the privilege, for sure. Well, I really want to thank you for spending some time and coming back. You're on this busy uh, press schedule right now, but uh, safe travels back home. And uh, until you and I talk again for the next book, I'll see you down the road. All right. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah. And I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. I've teamed up with AutoGeek because, well, they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories for more than 20 years. Their Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax is specially formulated from Brazilian Carnuba Wax. It's easy to apply on any paint surface and provides that warm glow that we love, especially me on my vehicles. You're going to love it too. A favorite of car shows countrywide, Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax from AutoGeek wipes on easily, requires no drying time, is easy to remove, and provides up to 90 days of protection against damaging environmental contaminants. This wax is designed to exceed the standards of the most discriminating enthusiasts and collectors. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their very skilled technical support. Autogeek.net. That's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. If you're listening to this program, there's a pretty good chance you believe what I believe. 
that the collector vehicles we love are more than just a means of getting from one place to the other. They're a part of our culture, our identity, and as a people, they bring us together at vintage races, classic car auctions, and thousand mile rallies. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these important vehicles aren't lost to time. RPM stands for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship. And their goal is to inspire the next generation of vehicle restoration professionals through its outreach programs. And they include Shop Hop, Off to the Races, the RPM Future Class, and many others. These programs engage talented young people across the country and connect them with mentors and a variety of opportunities in the industry. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of collector vehicles skill trade, visit rpm.foundation today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!